Hello and welcome. This is Diane Lake, your host, and I'm going to be sharing how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can prepare the way for the Lord's purposes to manifest in the earth. This is Preparing the Way, That Practical Prophetic. Hello guys, I'm so glad you could join me today. As we start our episode one today and go onward, I want to start with a word of testimony so you can just kind of understand my heart, how I got to where I am today, and why I do what I do. Try to teach and simplify the prophetic. So let's just start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for all those that are listening today. I pray that there is not one who listens who will be left untouched by the presence and power of God. Be with us today. Anoint these words and prepare hearts to listen and to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, like I said, my goal in these podcasts is to simplify, make it practical, make the prophetic something that you can use and apply to your life so that your life is enriched and is deeper than you ever had had thought it could be before. So as we start, I want to give you my simple definition of what the prophetic is, what prophecy is. The best description I've heard is that it's hearing God's voice or knowing his heart and then speaking it forth. So not very complicated. And that is a goal of mine. I pray that prayer every day, possibly multiple times a day. Lord, let me know what's on your heart. Let me know what you're thinking. That's so important to me. And I think I told you in the introductory podcast that I had really never known that God could speak outside of his word. And I literally almost died. So we'll get into that in the testimony. That's why it's such an important life force for me to hear his voice. Now, there's nothing... I mean, we can be prophetically gifted, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing that excludes anyone from hearing God's voice. Psalm 25, 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. Another version says, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. In other words, he talks to those who fear him. I mean, we all can fear him. We all can have reverential fear and trust for him. Isaiah 66, 2 says, These are the ones that I look on with favor, the Lord says, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. In other words, those who hear his voice and just are in awe and respect and want to treat it and steward it well, those are the ones he talks to. Those are the ones that he highly esteems. So it's not reserved for any one person or one gifting, if you can see what I mean. It's open to all. The prophetic is open to all. Now, as my experience and testimony you'll hear has been, I grew up too long for too many years with just what you would say might be men's best ideas of what they should tell you about God. And I learned that there was a difference between those who know about God and those who know God, those who teach about God and those who teach what's on his heart. Um, in John six sixty three, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So hear this part of the verse. The word that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Let me say that again. Jesus was saying to his disciples and those presents, The word that I speak to you are spirit and life. So that is what 
captures my heart. The words that the Spirit speaks through not only His Word, but through the prophetic impressions of different kinds we receive, they give us life. So that's why I get excited about this. And I want to teach others about it if they will listen, because I felt like so many years of my life were wasted when nobody was telling me about this. <laughs> so before I get into my testimony, I want to talk a little bit about what testimony is and what it does. There's a verse in Psalm 103, 2-3. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. So in other words, we all have a story and a past, and we're not supposed to forget it. So what testimony does, if you look in the Old Testament at the Hebrew word testimony, it comes from the idea meaning to do it again. So therefore, what testimonies do is they reveal what we can expect God to do again. So when we share our testimony with other people, it encourages them and it imparts faith, faith to them. And by that means, it releases God's power so that he can perform similar acts or exploits again. So in other words, God's power works through the testimony so that other people can receive the same impartation. So that's exciting. And God is actually limited when we do not recount his acts of blessings and power. Psalm 78, 40 to 42 reveal that Israel, quote, provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power, end quote. So actually what that says is you limit God when you don't like recount his blessings back to him and to others and give him the glory for it. Something very interesting about the testimony too. I mean, you can argue about theology all day long if you want to, but no one can argue with you about the power of your testimony. What God did cannot be argued in theology circles. No theologian can take that from you. I love the story of John 9, the blind man who was born blind and then healed. And when he was questioned about those who were upset that he was healed on the Sabbath, he pretty much just said, you know what? I don't know what God did. I don't know what happened to me or why I can see now. I just know that it happened. Like You can't take that away from a person or someone whose life has been transformed. So that's the power of the testimony. All right, so hopefully you're kind of intrigued, and we'll just start with my testimony next. So, you know, testimonies are different. Some people might have a dramatic story about how they came out of addiction or, you know, something that really transformed their lives at the moment of salvation, but mine isn't really that. Some people might have a physical healing that dramatically changed their life, set it on a new course. What my testimony hinges on is when I met with the power and presence of the Lord when I was at a very, very desperate place. Now that happened for me in my early 40s. I was maybe 43. So I had actually been saved at the age of 10, born again at the age of 10. But at the circles at that time that I was in, um, they did not understand that there was a second feeling of the Spirit. I mean, you do receive a portion of the Spirit when you're saved, but there is a baptism in the Spirit. And if you've not experienced that, you need it. It just brings a whole nother level. So I did not have that. And I just never really thought that the Lord cared for me. Um, and so by the time I got to my early 40s, 
I was married, I had three kids, um, and I just had a number of issues of my own. I'll talk about this a little bit as we go. My mom and two of my brothers were killed in an accident when I was 17. I think I really had some baggage from that. My mom's death made quite an impression on me, a negative one, uh, the loss that I experienced. Um, but the main thing, uh, let's see, well, I could add that I was like super shy, almost agoraphobic, could almost not relate to people, pretty much kept at home. But, you know, there were different factors that made this happen. And the main thing that my testimony hinged on was that I have three children. Um, my husband and I were blessed to adopt three children from South Korea, all as very young babies, about four months of age. We actually had a fourth, but he died of SIDS um, when he was quite young. So my perception had been um, that you would just love these children, everything would work out, it would be fine, love would overcome everything. Well, it turned out to be more complicated than that. And I have to say to you, ordinarily, I would not tell you that my children are adopted. Uh, they don't look like me, but I don't think about it. They are just my kids. But for the purpose of my testimony, it makes a difference. Uh, so... By the time that I was this age, I had mentioned about 43, my kids were 15, 13, and 10, I believe, and my daughter was the one who was 13, and my relationship with her was so complex, it was um, very uh, complicated, <laughs> very, uh, I, I, was, I was kind of a wreck. She just never seemed to like me. And I could not understand from the time that she was a tiny baby. It was like nothing I ever did suited her. There was some kind of mistrust she had of me, uh, some kind of antagonism. She seemed to go out of her way to um, provoke me. She seemed to get along with other people a lot better than me. So then I felt like it was my fault. Um, so then... As things went along, I would lose my patience with her, and then it would just start this cycle of guilt because I felt like I'd lost my cool with her and I wasn't a good mom. And But there, there were other complications. Um, she lied uh, just prolifically. Uh, she stole. Um, she would lie about the things she stole. Um, I mean, so as you can see, she, she was just... I don't know. She was causing me to just go pretty much in a downward cycle because I felt like if I were just out of the picture, the family would be probably in a better place, better, you know, someone else would be better able to manage her maybe. Like I was just a failure as, as a mother. So I don't know. It's It's hard to explain, honestly, but we were really, really a mess by that time, myself especially. Um, it at, at my lowest point, I was suicidal. There were times I really, really contemplated suicide. I had the gun out one time. I was weeping. I remember kneeling at the side of my husband and I bed, and um, I was the only one home. And I know I knew at that point, though, that I couldn't do it because I did love my family just so much, and I knew that my kids would be impacted by that the rest of their lives. I could I couldn't do it to them. So then. I was even more miserable because I wanted to take my own life, but I knew that I couldn't. So um, basically, it came down to the point where I really questioned whether God even was alive anymore. I mean, I'm serious. I, I looked it in the face. Like, have I been lied to? 
is there such a thing as salvation? Is God real? You know, I kind of like backed up from that. It almost scared me to like completely renounce my faith. So I just kind of resigned myself to the fact that maybe God, you know, he raised Jesus from the dead at some point and sat down in heaven and just sort of, I don't know, lost interest, fell asleep. You know, maybe it took a lot of energy to raise Jesus from the dead. And, you know, that was his best work and he was kind of done or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of trying to make it humorous, but I was a very desperate individual. So um, we had reached out for help over the years from, you know, pastors that we had come into contact with. You know, some people would have advice about how maybe she could learn not to steal and different things. But nobody... Nobody understood how bad it really was. Nobody had any helpful advice that made any difference at all. Until one day, um, my sister-in-law said, you know what, there's a woman that I know of who has a little home church, and she might be able to come and pray with you and help you. Because what she had said was, I'm suspicious that your relationship with your daughter, and even she didn't know how bad it was by any means, could be affected by something from her bloodline, from her blood parents, uh, her birth parents, if you want to say that. Um, she said, you know, she tried to word it very carefully because we had been taught that the second baptism, if you want to call it that, the baptism of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, any of these things were error, false teaching, and something to really be aware of and stay away from. So she didn't want to scare us off, but she said, you know, um, just think about how when you're born, you inherit certain things like you might have blue eyes and blonde hair like I did, or you might have, you know, prominent facial features or whatever. She said, think about the spiritual tendencies that come down, you know, like maybe there is such a thing as spiritual DNA and that, that your daughter has inherited some things that don't have anything to do with you. And, you know, it just... I was not really uh, someone who would listen to that kind of thing, but I was desperate. So we set up an appointment with this woman. She actually met with me and my husband first. And for the first time, I felt like there was some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I almost get teary when I talk about this. I was so hopeless at that point. It was way beyond depression. I was hopeless. I was fearful for the future. It was like if my daughter was in this kind of shape at 13, where were we going to be in a few years where she, you know, had gained more autonomy as a teenager? I was just, uh, I didn't know what to do. And of course, you can imagine it wasn't great for our marriage or family life or anything, but bless my husband, he did the best he could. <laughs> so um, so after she met with us, she met with my daughter and my husband and I, and she was a remarkable woman of God. She's in heaven now. She uh, died in 2017, but she uh, was given the revelation by God that my daughter had inherited a strong, strong generational curse of hatred passed down from uh, each generation. The daughters hated their mothers, and it, it was had to do with how they were raised in poverty and what the circumstances were that the mothers um, had been forced as a way to provide for their children. And she was just... I, you know, God just gave her the revelation, just allowed her to put her finger on the things that needed to be done, that needed to be prayed that evening. And when we were done 
that night, my daughter was a different person. I saw the demonic chains break off of her. And you could not have convinced me that there was such a thing as a demonic change, chain before that night. So here I was at 43. I didn't even know that God was alive anymore. <laughs> and he reached down. My daughter's countenance changed. Her demeanor toward me changed. She, you know, one time I remember <clears throat> shortly after that, I called her just for, you know, to come here. I needed her to do something. And she was just like, what, Mom? You know, with this open countenance. And I was like, wow. Because she would used to just kind of skulk into the room. Like, what do you want from me? You know, with this darkness in her eyes. And um, so what happened with that was, sorry if I became a little emotional there. This has been a lot of years ago, and it still touches me. But I got a hold of God as he really was. He was present. He was powerful. He could talk to people. He could reveal to them what needed to be prayed about. And I was like, I want to know this God. I want what this woman, her name was Karen. I want what this woman has. So we just hung around her. And I, within three weeks, wanted to be filled with the Spirit. My husband and I were filled with the Spirit. And, um, it just transformed our life. Now, one thing that did happen, too, I'll just insert really quickly, is that remember I had said I was extremely shy? I mean, to the point, like, it, I could be in a circle of, uh, you know, let's say there's a dozen people, and you're supposed to give your name and just say who you are briefly. Like, my voice would shake. Uh, I would actually tremble. It, it would, there was a demonic thing that would happen. I mean, I couldn't talk to people. So the the night or so after we had prayed with this woman, Karen, and my daughter was set free, I was just pressing into the Lord like crazy. I went to bed late because I used to have terrible insomnia. That's one of the things that the Lord healed me of over time. And um, I went to bed and something really powerful began to happen. I didn't know what it was. Remember, this prayer had only been one night before. And um, all of a sudden, it just seemed like there was a demonic presence. That's the best I can say. There was just some images in my head, and something didn't feel right. And so I woke my husband up, and I said, I'm not sure what's happening. I felt like we just got the devil out of the house, so why do I feel like something's like coming against me or whatever? And so we prayed, and he went back to sleep, and I didn't know what to do, so... All I could think of was to recite like John 3.16 over and over. Uh, it was the best I had, best I knew. And about five minutes of this lasted where I just had this impression of almost like being in the middle of a battle or I, I don't know what it was. And about five minutes went by and I felt like, oh, okay, something's done. It's over. And I got up to use the bathroom of all things. And about the time I got into the bathroom, I heard the Lord's voice for the first time. As clearly, if he were standing next to me, I heard him say, it's withdrawal. And I was like, oh, I know what just happened. He delivered me from that spirit of withdrawal that had been over my life for at least 25 years and was keeping me away from people. It was almost like, I, it reminds me, um, you know, how with the coronavirus, we've got these plexiglass shields. Uh, everywhere and I felt like I saw in the spirit honestly that there was kind of like a plexiglass shield between me and everyone else it just made it really awkward to communicate it was gone from that time on then next day everything was different 
And, you know, I don't know why the Lord did it that way. I think, for one thing, I wouldn't have been able to pursue this life of the Spirit that I have now. And here, of all things, I'm a prophetic minister who uses your voice and your speaking all the time. And see, that's what the enemy will do. He will see what your destiny is, whether you even know it or not. And he will use all the things that come against you to shut you down. But God has a better plan. So, um... I don't know. I hope that testimony can encourage you. Um, but I want to go on to a new kind of track after this uh, testimony because, you know, there's things that were just not taught to me. And I did not understand that the salvation that you receive, which makes you born again into the kingdom, that's the beginning of your salvation. It's a process and not everything happens at once. Um, your spirit is reborn, yes, in an instant, but your soul with, has some damage done. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, over the years of your life and life experience, things happen that have to be healed um, over time. So uh, that's where I felt at that point. Not only was I spirit-filled after a few weeks, but as I began to discover these things, I'm like, why didn't somebody tell me? Why was no one teaching me these things? So I just made kind of an inner determination. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be one of those that doesn't tell people. I don't care if I sound silly. Like, like I got a little emotional. I was almost teary at a part of my testimony. I don't care. I really don't care. I just want God to use me because what happened to me after that time when my daughter was set free and I had that, that next experience, that day or so to process it. And like I told you, he delivered me from withdrawal. Between that 24-hour period, I had come to a decision. I could either pick up my life and move forward as if I'm kind of like, okay, God, we got this now. Thanks for setting us free. My daughter's going to be, you know, her and I can have a restored relationship now. That kind of thing. I'll just live my life like I was going to. Um, but that wasn't going to work for me. I, I, at that point, I said, thank you for giving me a second chance to live my life. I'm going to live it for you now. I'm going to live it the way you want me to. Because I think I forgot to tell you this part. Over time, it was revealed to me that he was going to take me home. I was at that point where I couldn't handle anymore. And it wasn't just me who uh, received that revelation. Later, two other people came to me and said they understood that my life was about to end. Not from suicide, but, you know, maybe an accident was going to happen. I don't know for sure. But my life was going to end. I know it. And you can't convince me otherwise. That's the thing that testimony does. You know what God has told you. You know what he's done. And no one can take you from that from you. And so I knew I was going to live my life differently from now on. So that's why I'm where I'm at today. I'm kind of radical, but that's because God gave me another chance. That's what testimony does. Okay, so besides not knowing that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you needed that because that gives you another level of intimacy with the Father, the Word comes alive, there's all these things that it does, and you get your spirit language so you can pray in the Spirit, the language of heaven. But I also wasn't told that there are these four areas that you need to address. Now, they're important because without addressing these four areas, 
for our purposes today, we're going to concentrate on the fact that you can't hear God's voice, because we're talking about the prophetic and making it practical to your life. You can't hear his voice to the degree that you want to, or the degree that I hope to come into if you have these issues in your life that you haven't taken care of, that you haven't allowed the Lord to work on. Um, now, remember, you can't do this yourself. And I think that was part of why I was so frustrated in my earlier Christian life as I didn't understand the power of the Spirit that works in you to transform you. And if you don't have that baptism of the Spirit, you often get caught on just trying to work out your problems on your own. Like you're trying to do anger management, but you don't understand that... Um, the Holy Spirit can deliver you of a spirit of anger, okay? So that's kind of the difference I'm trying to talk about right there. So there are four areas that need to be addressed as you move forward in your life of the Spirit. They are deliverance, number one. Healing from generational issues, curses, number two. Number three is soul and spirit hurts, things that have happened, abuse, trauma, things like that. Um, and number four ungodly beliefs are mindsets. Now actually these four areas are interrelated. Um, they overlap. You can't just address one without the others. But uh, for purposes today, now my, remember I told you I want to do what God is telling me to do. I want to go where the Spirit is telling me to go because that's where the life is. That's where the anointing is. So the direction that the Lord gave me for today was to concentrate on ungodly beliefs and mindsets. So I'm going to explain a little bit about that and how you can become free. Now, um, some of the information that I'm using today, at least at the beginning as I start this, has come from a, a ministry called Restoring the Foundations, founded by Chester and Betsy Kilstra, K-Y-L-S-T-R-A. You can find their website as Restoring thefoundations.org. They have some excellent material if you want to go deeper. Um, so the first part, this definition, is going to come from their material. Then later, it's more what the Lord has given me, but they have great resources. Ungodly beliefs or mindsets are all beliefs, decisions, attitudes, agreements, judgments, expectation, vows, and oaths that do not agree with God. In other words, his word, his nature, his character. So on the flip side, godly beliefs or mindsets are all beliefs, decisions, attitudes, agreements, judgments, expectations, vows, and oaths that do agree with God, his word, his nature, his character. So the, the three areas that these creep into are um, beliefs about ourselves, number one, our relationships with others, number two, and with and about God, number three. So there's a range of things that these can be. So I'll just be throwing out a few examples for the purposes of time. Uh, you can say, well, I'm a failure. Why? Because you've, maybe your parents told you you were a failure. Maybe you had a lot of failure over your life. Um, so you come to believe it. So that would be a belief about yourself. Okay, so concerning relationships with others. Maybe you're going to say to yourself that all men cannot be trusted. Or conversely, all women cannot be trusted. Why might you say that? Well, perhaps your dad left. He couldn't be trusted. He abandoned your, you and your family. Perhaps you were married and 
um, your husband abandoned you. You see where I'm going. It's like you, you pick up this baggage over the years and then you begin to act on what you believe. These are not God's ideas. He does not say that all men are untrustworthy or that you are a failure. Okay, so that's where I'm going with this. Now, when we talk about God, our ungodly mindsets about him might be something like, God doesn't hear my prayers. Now, I'm using that example because that was one of my ungodly beliefs about God himself because I had prayed and prayed and prayed into this situation with my daughter and could not get any help, could not figure out what was wrong. Another area um, was that I used to have severe, severe migraines. And it took about seven years after my spirit feeling be before I was delivered of that. Uh, I'll come back to that in another episode. Uh, so I thought whenever I prayed about my migraines and they never went away, they were so bad. Uh, I thought, well, God doesn't hear my prayers. Um, so the source, as I mentioned and touched on a little bit, we can have tra trauma in our childhood, negative experiences, uh, adult experiences, you know, and trauma again, we can have problems, and even your family can pass on certain beliefs and mindsets because it's just the way that our family thinks and does things kind of thing. So you don't even know where you pick them up sometime. Um, and then, as I said, they overlap. It's like, oh, you know, why was I so shy, so agoraphobic? Well, you know, I think that my mother might have had a tendency to be very extra shy, and I was a lot like her. But then I experienced, an, uh, you know, the trauma of the accident with my mother. I withdrew from people because I was in so much emotional pain. But then eventually I just accepted about myself. Well, I'm a person who can't talk around people. I began to believe that I was a person who couldn't open up and share. So that became an ungodly mindset because, you know, I didn't understand that the Lord made me uh, to be able to give people life through him, through what he's done in me. So uh, Romans 12, 1 says this, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So I want to invite you to pray after you listen to this episode to the Lord and ask him to show you ungodly mindsets. Now keep in mind that the Holy Spirit has to do this work in you. And also when you're working with ungodly mindsets, you need to understand that it's a lot like when you want to make a new positive habit. Like it's say you want to go to the gym from now on. You want to get into good shape. You want to get healthy. Well, it takes about 30 days, they say, um, they, whatever scientific research, it's a pretty standard generalization that it takes about 30 days to actually truly formulate a new habit and be able to stick with it. Well, ungodly mindsets are like that. You're not going to break them overnight. Now, sometimes deliverance happens overnight, certain things like that, but you have to relearn a positive thought process about yourself, about your relationships with others, and about God before it's going to stick. So I just want to point that out. So this is something that the Lord showed me, just to kind of recap. So we'll wind down here, but I want to leave a few thoughts with you. Concerning ungodly mindsets, we start with an assumption, and that assumption is faulty, based on your experiences in life such as God does not hear my prayers. Now, the illustration he gave me is, I'm not a very good bookkeeper. When I balance my checkbook and do the things I got to do, it's, 
it's just kind of a joke, but you know, you got to do it. So the example he gave me is that let's say you're starting with a calculator and a certain total, but you have the wrong total right off the bat. Then you use that wrong total that you started with and you start doing other calculations using the wrong total. Okay, so that's what happens when you make an assumption that is not what God would have you think and you begin to build your life experience on that. Now your total is going to be off. And it could be a, a long ways off by the time you're done. Okay, does that make sense? So you start with an assumption. You make a faulty calculation on your calculator if you want to think it that way. Number two, number one, you make an assumption. Number two, you take action that is tailored to your beliefs and feeds your false assumption. Okay, so now you're starting to act on it. You're like, okay, well now... I'm not going to pray anymore, okay, because God doesn't hear me anyway. You take whatever it is a step farther. And remember, we're talking about uh, your relationship to God right now, but it could be relationship with other people or your attitude about yourself. Number three, you reach a conclusion. You have now decided that God's dead. He doesn't hear you. He doesn't care, okay? So that's how we can get off. Now, every one of us hears our, our thoughts, uh, our dreams, it doesn't matter what you category you want to say, um, we hear from three sources. Either our own soulish, you know, from man, our experiences, uh, whatever it is that you want to um, pin that on to. It could be experiences, it could be beliefs, uh, that type of thing. Or your number two, it's going to be the devil, Satan, his thoughts, things that are not from God. And number three, God. It could be a God dream. It could be a God thought. That's what we want to do is clean up the rest of this soulish uh, stuff. Get rid of the demonic voices. We want to hear God's voice, pure and true, because that's what the prophetic is. That's what it is. It's hearing his voice, knowing what it's all, what is on his heart, and telling other people about it. So what brings us life brings others life too. So I'm always excited about teaching about the prophetic because it is the dearest thing to my heart because it literally saved my life when I began to understand that God cared about me and he wanted to talk to me. And, he, and I mean, I ask him all the time. So that's the first principle in the practical prophetic. You have to ask God to speak to you because he will. He will. He began to show up in my dreams and all kinds of stuff that crazy stories I could tell you maybe another time. So as I said, I wanted to know, I asked myself the question, why didn't anybody tell me these things? Why didn't anybody explain to me that salvation was a process and that I could become free of all these things that were holding me back. All right. So growing in the, in the life of the spirit is a journey. You just start. You just, it doesn't matter what age you are. You just have to start. So um, be encouraged. Now the testimony that I shared is in more full depth in a book that I wrote called Full Circle, excuse me, Full Circle, Coming into the Fullness of Christ. And you can find that at our website, which I'll give you the address in the end. Uh, in our outro, you'll hear that. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening and God bless you. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your positive review helps the show reach more people with our message. 
And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org where you can donate, read our latest articles, and keep up to date with us on all of our social media sites. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.